Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're here once again talking to you all after the conclusion of UFC 279 going down at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by a welterweight something fight. I don't know. Not top contenders, not title fight. OG legends. OG legends fight between Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson. All y'all who are tuning into this at this point know that fight week was complete chaos. Total card totally detonated after Chimaev missed weight by seven and a half pounds for his main event fight with Nate Diaz. UFC mixed it all up. And, um, you know, I don't know that you could argue that every fight was better because of it at the top three. But we certainly got a much more competitive headliner than we would have gotten in a million years out of Chimaev versus Diaz. Well, I think the underlying thing for me was like I didn't walk away from this card feeling sad. Yeah. Yeah. If Tony would have got starched by Leech, I would have been sad. If Nate just would have got the snot beat at him out of him by Hamzat, I would have been sad. Yeah. But this this was way more digestible for me. So I'm I'm really happy with the way it all unfolded. It was very serendipitous. Some people are even saying it was planned all along, but I'm not I so mean, sure about that. I mean, look, I, you know me. I'm I'm never one to be a conspiracy theorist, but like it really did work out entirely too well to the UFC's benefit. The way this all shook out, you know. But you know what? It worked out even better for Nate Diaz. He got three, three victories this weekend. The first one against Hamzat, the second one against Tony Ferguson, and then the third one, which is ultra rare, is against the UFC. It's true. It's true. Triple crown for Nate Diaz. It's It, it worked out great for everybody not named Kevin Holland or Li Jingliang. Yeah. Because both the of them got screwed here. Both of them seemed like they had a pretty good opportunity to walk away from this weekend as winners. Um, at the very least, Holland in a highly competitive bout with Daniel Rodriguez. And instead, they both walked away with losses. And for yeah, in Holland's case, a really hard loss. You got you to gotta think that Holland got a big fat paycheck for, for doing I mean, this, though. I've said going in, I hope everybody on this pay-per-view card got pay-per-view points. Like, I, you know, it's not enough to just be like, oh, yeah, no, here's an extra 50 grand or something. Good job, boys. Like, the fighters agreeing to take these fights the way that this thing fell apart, maybe not Chimaev. Maybe you don't give Chimaev extra money because he's the instigator who made everything fall apart. Um, But the way this all fell apart, it, it was only saved and made better by the fighters agreeing to step up and to step in and, you know, clean up Chimaev's mess, clean up the UFC's mess. Because, you know, I say Chimaev's the one that made this mess, but the UFC is really to blame for making a fight that nobody wanted. Diaz didn't want it. Chimaev didn't want it. Nobody cared about it. And it 
usually that works out for them. But this time it just totally fell apart and blew up in their faces. You know who else didn't want it? You? Well, uh, the MMA gods. Oh, the MMA gods. Definitely. The MMA gods did not want it, so they smited the card. Yeah. And yeah, and, and they, they made things right. Like yeah. they stepped in. They intervened. They did. They were intervening gods. Yeah. So I hope everybody got paid. Even Johnny Walker, Ian Kudalaba, Irene Aldana, Macy Chasen, people who had nothing to do with, nothing to lose or gain, did no change, just stayed on the pay-per-view card. Even those people should get paid because this was a mess. And it turned out to be pretty all right walking away from it. You know, we we should go ahead and dive in because we got a lot to talk about. But Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson, um, I am absolutely glad that Diaz was not fighting Chimaev the way he looked against Ferguson. And what an awkward, weird, terrible body language fight that actually still ended up being entertaining because both men were in the same spot. Yeah, like this is the fight that should have been made all along. It's It had all the funk we were expecting. You know, Tony doing his weird turning his back nonstop spinning and hitting air. And he even pulled a Nick Diaz and lay down in the cage at one point, Mm -hmm. which I thought that was exceptionally ironic. That was, that's he's, he's a goat for that. I got to say, and Nate Diaz doing his funk, you know, hands on his knees, uh, walking away. Like he did a lap at one point, like he got his legs lit up. There was legit a point in this fight that I thought Nate Diaz actually just forfeited it. Yeah, when he was just shaking his head and he did his lap around the cage. Yeah. He was just like, nah, nah. He turned back, walked away, and just started shaking his head. And, like, if the ref had stepped in right then and been like, okay, you're turning your back and shaking your head, we're going to wave this off, I wouldn't have been shocked. Like, No, but the crowd would have rioted. Oh, it, it would have been a bad move, but... It it was such an awkward, like, awkward body language moment for him that I get he was clowning or whatever and that he was, you know, trying to shake off these low kicks and give himself some time and space and have a little fun at uh, Ferguson's expense for being all on his bike and moving and all that. But it was really one of those, like, Iwan Kudalaba, you know, pretending to be hurt against... Uh, um, Ankaliyev. Yeah, Ankaliyev moments where it's like, if the ref had, had jumped in like he did in that fight, I wouldn't, you know, like you, 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 you dug your own grave on that one. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm here for it though. Sure. I, I like how unorthodox it was and how funky it was. And, yeah. you know, Nate Diaz does what Nate Diaz wants to do. And sure. He was doing that out like even when uh, there was like 10 seconds left in one of the rounds, he just puts both of his hands on the top of the cage and does mm-hmm. like this, like this lame, like sidekick thing at Tony, like not even trying. It's it just had, it had big Nick Diaz, Anderson Silva vibes to it. Big time. But like way more. Uh, I feel like the, the Silva Nick Diaz fight was way more boring and didn't have the engaging like these guys were actually trying to win oh, yeah. they were also they weren't about to not have fun out there yeah they both had game plans that were doing a lot of serious damage i mean 
Ferguson was kicking Diaz's legs apart and Diaz was swarming with, you know, that slap boxing style of his and honestly starting to overwhelm Ferguson um, by the time that Ferguson shot into that guillotine. Can we talk about that guillotine for a moment? Sure. Like, That's why we're here, Zane. That was a remarkable piece of grappling artistry because he did not have that thing well locked in when he hit the ground. He had an arm in guillotine and he gave it up right away. And then he put his arm back over, over the, the arm, over the shoulder, and he couldn't get his hands locked or anything like that. So he just put his fist right in the side of, of Ferguson's neck, right on the carotid artery, and just gave it gave, gave it the squeeze that way and got the tap. I I yeah. cannot remember seeing a guillotine done that way. In no, I don't. I'm not sure either. I know I have seen a video of Nick Diaz showing that exact choke, but from a standing position and using the cage uh, to prevent the the other guy from moving away. It was like some weird instructional thing he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, legit black belt and. If, if, you know, Nate Diaz, that's that's one of his things. He'll overwhelm you with the punches, get you to take a bad shot, and snatch up your neck. Yeah. I mean, classic, just, classic Nate Diaz. It is a classic Diaz move. It's just, it's funky to think, like, to see that and be like, I don't think I've ever seen that variation on a sub before. You know, I've we've watched thousands of hours of fighting. And you just kind of pulled that out. Nobody really talked about it either. You know, it wasn't like, oh, my God, look at that cool. But he, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, he doesn't have his hands locked. He's got one arm around his neck. I don't even know if he's, like, holding on to his shorts or anything. And just that fist right in the side of the neck. It was cool. Yeah, it was It was ill. He's a gangster. Gangsters do gangster shit. Yeah. And this was the first time Tony Ferguson has been submitted also. Which, honestly, man... When the fight was over and Rogan was like, I'm going to talk to you also, Tony. I was kind of hoping he was going to lay the gloves down. Yeah, but you heard him. He thinks he's doing better than ever. He thought this was a big win for him tonight. Yeah, I know. And that's that's even more scary. Yeah, this the body is, language uh, for him was, it was pretty bad. Like, he had a lot of success in this fight. And every time Diaz would land a couple punches, it felt like he just nearly fell apart every time. Yeah. How many times did his coaches tell him to stop turning his back? Yeah. At least 10. It was, it was an ugly, it was a weird, funky, ugly fight, you know? I don't know. And I I came into this and I was feeling very unsure about the Tony Ferguson at welterweight experiment. This does not make me feel less sure or less, you know, more sure about that. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think I want to see him fight anyone that's not on the same kind of tier as him. Yeah. Like, I just, we're going to do like Ferguson, Matt Brown, Ferguson, Robbie Lawler kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. That's the kind of caliber I feel like I would be okay with, but like at some point, someone's got to sit him down and be like, all right, man, you know, if he loses his next one, that's, that would be six fights in a row like he's getting to that sam alvey territory yeah and it's sad like what a fall from grace yeah no kidding 
it's, it sucks. This is, I hate this more than anything else in the sport. It's just watching, watching these legends just not age out gracefully and not calling their own shot, which is why I'm super excited that Nate Diaz is like, I'm out. I'm going to go do other things. I might be back. I might not be back. He is ha- taking a brief hiatus. I don't know if you heard correctly from UFC competition to go run another sport and then he will be back to win a UFC title. So, you know, right. Well, <laughs> and I know. Yeah. I don't think he'll be back. Honestly, I think I he's going to go get that boxing back. money. He's going to yeah. get the boxing money and then be like, I'm never taking another UFC paycheck again. Like what? Yeah. I don't I don't see that happening either. He's going to be he's going to be 40 before he's done with his boxing experiment would be my guess. And then the UFC, the prospect of the UFC turning around and being like, yeah, we'll throw a bunch of money at you to come back. I don't think it's going to be high. They would only do it for Connor. Yeah, they might own. They would only do it for like a Connor McGregor trilogy fight. That's it. But honestly, I'd like to see Connor and Nate box. Sure, why not? Yeah, that would be so much fun. Yeah, I don't. I think we just saw the last of Nate Diaz in the UFC. Whether he's willing to admit that to himself or not, he sounded a little choked up. Yes, you know? he did. I think he was about to shed some tears, man, because he he knows in his heart that you know he spent all this time with the UFC love hate relationship and just he knew that that this is the end yeah it was uh it was it's funny because he you know he said that i remember watching that espn interview he did and he's talking about too like you know danny and i dana and i get along i understand what they do they it's just a business i got nothing but love for them and you know then you see him out here and he's talking about like he's leaving and he's getting ultra and like you know you realize he really he really believes that that's not there's no bullshit in that that he he was clearly very uh emotional about the idea that he wasn't going to be a ufc fighter anymore yeah i mean because it meant so much to him you know what i mean like the ufc gave him the platform to become who he is today Mm -hmm. he wouldn't have gotten that opportunity anywhere else and he recognizes that and he's appreciative and grateful of that you know despite the business side of things which can be harsh yeah so i mean class act in in that regard like yeah who would have thought? Yeah, it was a Nate good... Diaz, Mister Class Act. Yeah, it was a classy post-fight speech from him. So you know, st- still sad days for Ferguson. Not nearly as sad as it could have been. Still feel very tentative about what he's going to do next. Um, but great moment for Diaz. He gets to ride out of the octagon on a win. Go yeah. jump over, box Jake Paul. You know, maybe take another couple other fights. I don't know what he's going to do out there, but. You know, make make some paper doing some stuff that is not as hard on his body as MMA is. Man, his stock went up so much more because of the way this all panned out. And mm-hmm. it seemed like the UFC was out to get him. But the MMA guys are like, nah, you're not going to do that to Nate Diaz. And so it's, it's saw somebody sharing a, a little Prince gif this week of in regards to Nate Diaz as Prince saying the, the man who tries to play me only plays himself. I'm unplayable. Yeah, true. You know, Nate Diaz walking out of all this, he, he gets to feel like he pulled one over on everybody. I'm so happy for him. I'm happy yeah. for his, for all the Nate Diaz fans. Like, man, like the, the, 
I honestly, in my heart, don't believe he'll ever come back to win a UFC title. No, but no. I know the he gave the fans hope. You know, he yeah. always finds a way to give them hope, like he that, did at uh, the, the end Diaz of the Leon Army, Edwards fight. The, the Diaz Army gets another five years of being absolutely un, insufferable and claiming <laughs> that he can beat anybody at any time and that you can't stop them and that they're the, you know, it. it he, he, everybody, everybody in that regard, they get all the fuel they need to feel justified. I'm here for it. Yeah, I got no problem with it. All right. That brings us to a co-main event, catchweight bout, Hamzat Chimaev, Kevin Holland. And, um, yeah, I mean, Holland got worked. There was no chance, <laughs> no moment. I'm, I feel so bad for Holland. He comes out there. Like, they touch gloves before the fight. The fight starts. Holland yeah. goes to give him a high five to start the match. Yeah. And and Hamza's like, I don't think so. I'm just going to dive right in and take you down. Like, screw your high five. Like, I'm coming to get you out of here as fast as possible and make a statement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can say that's dirty. You can say it's damn foolish on Holland, given all the beef that they had heading in here to walk out there and be like, yeah, let's high five and like be good chums, you know, at the moment that you're actually going to start punching each other in the face. Uh, but the thing is, is like you go out and you watch Hamza Chimaya fights and that's, that's how he always handles himself. You know, he goes out there and the first thing he does is attack. Yeah. There is, there's no warm up. There's no getting to know you feeling our way into this kind of thing. I will say this, though. I, I was impressed with the way that Holland was just working so hard to scramble oh, to yeah. create these opportunities to even get back to his feet at one point. Mm-hmm. Like he fought as hard as he possibly could and used every bit of jujitsu knowledge that he had to to, you know, even even in the darts like he was. Yeah. He was trying to make space, trying to make the right adjustments, trying to defend well, Shit. but. She might have had to regrip on that thing like three times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he—he he did the very best that he could. Yep. He didn't just go out there and lay down. You know, it just—he didn't mean, concede. It just shows you what a what a freaking phenom Chimaev is. That he gets you. You know, he he can go out there and he can just run people over. He gets you on yeah, the yeah. ground. He starts controlling you. He starts working a position. You give him a moment where you are in a submission, you are probably not getting out of that submission. Even if it even if it takes him a minute to finish it, you're probably done. Yeah, Jemayev is on a whole nother level. Yeah. And it's crazy how he went from such a fan favorite to the most hated guy on this card. Yeah, he he is riding some pure villain energy. And the thing is, too, if he, you know, I don't know that that's going to course correct for him all that easily. Because even when he people loved him and loved watching him and loved rooting for him, it was sort of because he was a big, loud asshole who told everybody that he was going to kill them. You know? Well, and that he was also backing up his words. Yeah, he, he can back it all dominance. up. But I'm saying that, like, the personality part that they had to accept with the love was him going around telling everybody, I'm going to kill you and being a jerk. 
And so if people start hating him, he's just going to give them fuel all the time. You know? Yeah, there's redemption to be had, though. I mean, you know. there's always there's always an opportunity. There's always tomorrow. There's always a chance for him to turn it around and change the narrative on people. But I also get the feeling that, like, you know, I, I get the feeling Darren Till is just going to be like, yeah, lean in, man. Do it. Come on. Just lean into this. Yeah, but that's the thing is is he can completely just go full heel, and there's nothing wrong with that. And he can ride that way for a while. But if yeah. he just keeps winning and keeps winning, eventually there's going to be another asshole that comes along, and he's going to be the guy that shuts him up, and then he'll he'll get back to being a fan favorite. Did you ever watch wrestling? Like this is I watched wrestling. I know how it works. I know this is how it goes, my man. Just, it's not just, bad to be a heel. No, you just don't want the X Pack heat. You know. You don't want people to you don't want people to hate you for real is the thing. Right. <laughs> you want people to hate you because you have something they love. You don't want, you know, like you, you want to be the Steve Austin kind of heel where people are just like, man, he is counter to everything that the man believes in and he goes his own way and he's not going to be pushed around by anyone. You don't want like yeah, he's kind of a prick. Well, even Hulk Hogan turned heel. Let's not yeah. forget. Yeah, it's true. Can't eat your vitamins forever. But, oh, uh, uh, it looks like our producer just typed in, uh, Nate Diaz won a performance bonus. Yay. Yeah. Good for him. Racking up all the victories tonight. That's four. <laughs> That's yeah. four wins for Diaz. So, yeah, no, I mean, Chimaev, he's going to, He's going to keep performing. He's going to keep doing his thing. I don't think he's going anywhere or anything like that. But uh, he's definitely hit a moment where he had a chance to go out there and beat Nate Diaz. And people would just kind of be like, oh, my, you know, okay, wow, this guy is, they're already at that point. But they'd be like, okay, this guy's a big star and he's going to fight for a title and I want to see it. And now he's much more like, I want to see this guy fight again to see if he's going to lose. You know, he's probably not right, but that's the energy now, yeah. Know? And that sells that sells, yeah, tickets. It does. yeah. So, uh, yeah, crushing win for for uh, Hamzat Chmaev. rough night out for Kevin Holland. I'm sure the UFC won't, you know, punish him unduly for it. He's had nothing but success since moving down to welterweight before this. So it's not like he needs to go to 185. He he needs to go to 185, and he needs to fight Borashina next. You mean uh, Chimaev, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is far and away beyond question. The obvious thing to do right now is to book Paulo Costa versus Hamzat Chimaev. Yeah, it's got built-in drama. Yep. It's at 185, so we don't have to worry about the weight cut. It's perfect. And if he can't actually make 170 anymore, it sets him up to be a title contender at middleweight. And you know? that's perfectly fine too. Yeah. No, you got to book. You got to try to book that fight next. And uh, yeah, and if you're gonna, if Chimaev won't take it, and if he's just gonna sit around, then if you're gonna ever book him back at welterweight for a title shot then you've got to do it with a clear second challenger waiting in the wings to step up when he can't make weight. 
Yeah, I mean, well, you'd ha- you have to. He would have to at least make the weight in a non-title fight first. Well, he's already made the weight plenty of times. We know it's possible, but right. But I mean, he couldn't go straight to a title shot. I could see it happening. Nah, not a one seventy. You can't like botch your weight cut and then just go right into a title fight. In a like, you can't be trusted. I'm pretty. Sh- I can't remember the last time it ha- it's happened, but I, I don't think it's ever happened. I think it's happened at least once. When someone botched a weight cut and then their next match was for the title, maybe like Khabib. Oh, and you know, uh, our current non light or lightweight non champion Charles Oliveira is fighting for the title next. Yeah, but I don't even know if that's true. Like, did he really miss weight? Yeah, that's it's fair. I'm just saying, I could see, I could see a thing if Chimaev just says, "I want to wait for the welterweight title." I'm just going to sit out and wait. I could see a, a position that he would get into where he could get that fight. But if they did it, you've got to have a, it can't be the main event. You got to have another title fight on that card and B you've got to have another challenger waiting in the wings. To step in. Yeah. Or you just put him at 85 against Paulo Costa and call it good. Yeah. That's the smart thing to do. It's just, you know, you can't actually, you can't actually make these guys fight anybody. All right, that brings us to a, another 180-pound catchweight bout. Daniel Rodriguez, Li Jinglong, and um, I scored it for Li Jinglong. Did you score it for Li Jinglong? Absolutely. How could you not? I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cry robbery. I think it was a close, ugly fight. It was I, a close, I, ugly fight. I think that Li Jingliang deserved to win it, but it was also really close and ugly. And it looked like two guys that hadn't really, that had spent a bunch of time not training to fight each other, you know? Yeah, with one being substantially larger than the other. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought uh, Jingliang was the busier fighter out there. I thought he landed the harder strikes. He did the most damage. Uh, I don't think he sustained any damage, actually. Rodriguez was bleeding from the mouth, and yeah. he just Lee ate, ate some jabs, but mm-hmm. I don't think those were as hard as the leg kicks. One of the leg kicks that Lee threw actually dropped Rodriguez and buckled him. Mm-hmm. Like he just, I don't know. I think the judges got this one wrong. It's right. Mo- most people agree, and I agree. It's just you know, it was a pretty tepid fight. That like. All that card changing, it did end up in a much better main event. There's no question. But it did it the the Chimaev Holland fight and the Rodriguez uh Jingliang fight, they both felt like fights where, you know, the result of chaos. I don't know that you if you gave Kevin Holland a month to prepare for Chimaev, he would be better the fight would go different. But certainly I can't blame him for instantly losing to this guy on this night, you know. No, not at all. And I mean, Chemayev is just that good, honestly. Yeah. Like he'll do yeah. it to most people, I believe. Oh yeah, no, it's. I mean, he did it to Li Jingliang, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, so Rodriguez Jingliang, little disappointing, but whatever. Yeah, it kind of broke my heart, man, because Lee. You know, he he bought his suit and he was ready for the press conference and then the press conference got canceled. So he didn't get to wear his big suit on the big stage. And then he's got to fight a guy who weighs much more than he does. And he goes out there and, 
you know, it seemed like he did enough. He did more damage than the other guy and still lost. And it's just a rough night of the office for him. Mm-hmm. I hope he got a fat ass paycheck. Me too. He, he definitely deserved a cut of something. And like I say, I don't, I don't think it'll be a big setback for him. He's a, he's a pretty big star in the UFC's market in China, which they pretty heavily value. But uh, yeah, it sucks to have his momentum halted like that. Yeah, but I mean, he's just, he keeps running into these roadblocks, you know, yeah. he just can't get any kind of traction going, no kind of momentum. Yeah, it's too bad. All right, that brings us to a, another catchweight bout at 140 pounds, Irene Aldana, Macy Chasen, and uh, man, I really thought Chasen had finally turned the corner. You know, she's won a bunch of fights against lower level opponents. She keeps getting into and like, you know, every then every couple fights, she wins a couple and then they put her in against somebody good and she gets beat up and they have to take her back and put her in against people who aren't good. (laughs) And I was like, you know, she came out in this fight and she got beat up in round one. I was like, oh, here we go again. And then she mm-hmm. came out and she stormed Irene Aldana in round two. Look, you know, yeah. got her to the ground, beat her up all kinds of ways on the mat. Came out in round three, got her down again. It's just like, okay, this is it. Chasen has she has tur- she has gotten over the hump. She's ch- turned the corner. She is putting to use that physicality of hers to really put a hurting on one of the division's top contenders. Nope. nope. <laughs> Man, I this is one of to the liver. One of the most unique finishes you will ever see. Up kick right to the freaking liver. Drops her. Fight over. A knockout up kick to the liver. Like I know she was still conscious, but it's this isn't a TKO follow up. Oh yeah, that was busy enough kind of strikes. Uh it was it was a one shot to the liver, knockout blow, dropped her fight done, off her back for Irene Aldana. And yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, I don't I don't think it would win, but it should be in the running for knockout of the year because of how unique it is. I've never, ever, 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 ever I've seen a lot of fights, Zane. I know you have yeah. too. I've never seen an up body kick finish a fight. No. Ever. Was remarkable. That's that's got to be a, a tough one for Macy to digest. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I really, you know, what my one of my reads on Chasen has been in the past has been that like when the fight gets really tough, she's the more likely fighter to break. And this just this is a weird way to reinforce that. Like, just like witchcraft. Yeah. Did she tap in the first round of that armbar? Yes. Yes, she did. Yes, yeah, she did. So, like, I'm kind of glad it ended this way. Yeah. Like, because I feel like Aldana won in the first round, and then she won again in the third. I, I will say, though, I, it is kind of a non-story, because Aldana didn't stop fighting. The reason that Chasen didn't get finished then isn't because Aldana felt a tap and stopped, you know? Right, right. Aldana kept kept cranking on the arm bar. The fight, they kept scrambling around, and she just couldn't. She couldn't keep it hold of it for long enough in the position to make it obvious that Jason was submitting. 
So, but yeah, I agree with you too. Like she did tap in the first round and it is. The MMA gods are all over this one. (laughs) They're like, Hey, you tapped. I'm sorry. And since you you didn't, no one called it. We're going to, we're going to have to do you in with the up kick to the liver. (laughs) Just, just wild. Uh, Get this, get this ain't. Uh, Nate Diaz submitted Ferguson with two minutes and nine seconds left in the fourth. 209, Stockton, baby. Meant to be, meant to be. Uh, clearly, if there's ever a sign of the hand of the divine yeah. on God's green earth, that is it. It's got to be. Yeah. I, I have, I've instantly converted a lifelong atheist. <laughs> I, I just went out and bought a Bible right now while we're still. Way to be, Zane. It's never too late. That's right. But Aldana, she won a bonus for this crazy, yeah. crazy finish. Good. Coolest finish on the card, too, by the way. Yeah. Coolest finish I've seen in a long time, just because of how unique it is. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to start seeing body or up kicks to the body now more often. No. You don't think so? No. I don't. It's not going to take the calf kick route and just become no. super prevalent? No, there's no way. You don't think? So you're telling me Paul Craig's going to not, he's not going to just start pulling guard okay. and kick into the body okay paul craig might do it yeah you, <laughs> you got me there paul craig might do it all right let's talk about oh i after this uh, the question then is does the ufc line aldana up for a bantamweight title shot i think they i honestly think she should fight juliana pena really at 45 no at 135 she's made all oh. 135 her whole career sure yeah, why not? There's not yeah. um well I mean, I don't know. I, I I would go right to the title though, for real. Yeah, they could. You could. There's not gonna be like a cooler finish that she's gonna come no. up with. So like I feel like now's the time. Yeah. Apparently apparently Dana White has been asked about it and is shilly shallying around it and uh not not committing to anything on that front. So UFC might find them in a position where they need to offer her a title fight. Otherwise, if they don't, if uh, Nunez wants to take some time off or fight at 145 or whatever, I don't know, then they should do Aldana versus uh, Pena, I think. Yeah, sure. Winner of that. There's, there's not many options, honestly. Really All right. That brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Johnny Walker, Ewan Kudalaba. Oh, real quick, Zane. Uh, yeah. Real quick. They're... I think Dana might be hemming and hawing about it because he wants Nunez to defend her featherweight belt against Norma Dumont. Yeah, no, I they could be that, but you know, great way to sell that by putting her fight having D- Dumont fight Danielle Wolf on the pre on the early prelims really built <laughs> that up for, to you know for great right. sales. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Johnny Walker, Ewan Kudalaba, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Walker, he didn't look better, but he did look better. The worm has a new wrinkle. It, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, well, for one, I fully expected him to get on his back at some point in this fight. Yeah. Happened pretty quickly. Yeah, um, really. What I what I wasn't expecting was for him to get up and stay attached in the clinch and get his own takedown 
and take the back and strangle Ian Kutalaba. I did mm-hmm. not see that coming at all. No. When was the last time Johnny Walker submitted somebody? I have you ever? He caught a guillotine back in 2017. Okay, he got a guillotine in 2017 and a rear naked choke in 2015, and that's it. So, not what not a thing he does. No, but, yeah. but it's it's good to see. Yeah, he's. I mean, the dude has all this size, all this strength, all this dynamic ability. There are a hundred different ways he could implement that on his opponents than just being, than just jumping at them face first and trying to collide with them as hard as possible. Yeah, this is a much smarter approach for Johnny Walker. Very opportunistic, um, yeah. high high fi Q, mm-hmm. and even down to the worm. Like yeah. he started the worm from the ground That's and did right. it that That's way right. and didn't injure himself, or at least it did appear he's, that he injured himself. He is learning on so many fronts. The progression, unbelievable. Going to be right back up there in the top 10 in, a, in, in just another, you know, fight or two. It's a, it's a new leaf. It is. All right. Good that brings see. us to what for me was the biggest surprise result of the evening. Julian Arosa, Hakeem Dawadu, and man, Arosa just, he just took it to him. He went after Dawadu hammer and tongs. Which is what he needed to do. Yeah, it was absolutely what he needed to do. He couldn't just sit there and go technique for technique. He would lose that. Yeah. And not even like get finished, lose it. He would just like, it would be a, a real sticky, just... Mm-hmm kind of a real boring, I guess I'll say, kind of just clinic. Yeah. I mean, I I picked Dewadu to vet, essentially put out the kind of strikes and the kind of volume that would shut Erosa out of the fight. You know, lots of low kicks, lots of jabs, lots of feints, the occasional hard one-two, just keep him on the end of everything, keep the fight hard, and keep Arosa from building any momentum. Arosa just, he, it, it happened like that for a minute. Arosa was getting low kicked. He was getting jabbed. He was getting frustrated. And he just went down and sat down and went one for one with Dewadu. And his power paid off a lot more. Yeah. And Dewadu is a guy that he has all the fundamentals, but he just lacks that venom. He yeah. needs to link up with Drew Dober and cool. learn how to deliver some of the, the power. Sit down more or whatever you have to do, but he's just not hurting people um, to the point where he's putting them away. He's always in these close decisions. And he's he's had one head kick TKO in the UFC. And, uh, you know, he started out finishing everybody in World Series of Fighting. But that, uh, that jump to the UFC has really taken the venom out of his game. Yeah, it's the comp. I mean, it's, it's a step up in competition. Yeah, let's be is. honest. It is. And even in the WSOF, he was still catching some decisions. Yeah, he caught one. He caught two. Oh, two, two. Sure. Yeah. But still, but, against guys he probably should have finished. Yeah, yeah. Guys that he had a severe technical advantage over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so get this. Uh, yeah. Jake Paul just tweeted out uh, a little video of saying, "Oh." Nate Diaz is going into boxing. Oh, I wonder who he's going to fight. 
and then just started looking around all coy-like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could all see this coming from a mile away. Especially yeah, I'm excited. Especially after Jazz had that fight fall apart with uh, Hasim Rahman Jr. recently. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. not Jazz, but uh, Paul. Tommy Hasim. Fury. And with Tommy Fury, he had those fights fall apart. Like, it's it's left him in a point where, you know, people are now, they're looking for who he's going to fight. He's been supposed to be fighting people, and he's not fighting people. Fans are getting a little itchy there, you know. Well, he's fighting Anderson Silva, isn't he? Oh, that's right, he's fighting Anderson Silva. I forgot about that. Man, I didn't need to see that. It'll be, I mean, it is what it is, but yeah. He can fight Anderson Silva and turn right around and fight Nate Diaz. And it doesn't even matter. The thing is that the, the place Paul is in, his, in, in this celebrity this celebrity carnival, carnival boxing career of his is it really doesn't really matter if he wins or loses, you know? Nobody yeah, actually, for sure. Nobody actually thinks he's good at boxing. They're just showing up to see if he, he can be good enough at boxing to troll people who should be better than him. I mean, I wouldn't say that he's bad at boxing per se. He's just super green and super raw and and getting way more exposure than anyone ever gets with having that many fights. Yeah, no, he's played. He is playing a different game and he's playing it well. I got. But I'm here for it because it's getting people paid. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about. uh, So, we yeah, Julian Arosa, great performance. Really spectacular for him to get this win. Did not feel like a good matchup for him going in. And he suddenly put together a real string. Yeah, man. Oh? He's he's uh he's nasty. I'll go ahead and say it. Like he's well rounded. He's he's got this kind of unorthodox approach on the feet where he's able to dart in and out with you know, whether it's straights, whether it's flying knees, what would have you. He's hurting people and yeah. He's got submissions in, you know, in his tool belt also. The big thing is he's not getting hurt as much. Rosa, you know, even going back just a couple fights was a dude who was getting hurt in early in fights against good opponents all the time. Yeah. And lately it hasn't been happening. I don't know if he's just, you know, got some better training. If things are clicking better later in his career, he's a little more relaxed, a little smoother better vision what's going on but dude is in a flow right now and like he's willing to go backwards and like yeah. not just necessarily just dart in for the sake of the chaos but yeah. picking his shots a lot more wisely and you know sometimes conceding the ground and and backing up and letting someone else come forward just so he can catch him slip and dart in and snipe him yeah it, it's good to see it, Great work from him. All right, that brings us to a catchweight 200. I don't even know why this is called a catchweight, but it's just a heavyweight fight. It might be 220 pounds. They're just heavyweights. Who cares? Jelton Almeida, Anton Turkali, and um, this was not a close fight. This was not a competitive booking. Turkali was not impressive on the Contender Series, and he got absolutely curb stomped. A BJJ clinic. Put put it on DVD, sell it in a twelve part series, not at nine ninety nine per installment. Oh yeah, this is this was so brilliant. Like my favorite part of all of it is how he gets to the full mount and he just postures up and starts raining down punches, waiting and knowing that uh, Anton's going to give his back and 
the rear naked choke is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like he knew this was going to happen. This is like, it's just basic, an understanding of basic human nature. And, oh, I'm getting pounded on in the face. Well, let me turn. Yep. Oh, snatch the neck. And just to like, you know, using the threat of an arm triangle here and there, using a couple punches here and there to get him twisting one way or the other. Because he had like the, the rear naked choke going on one side. And then he got Turkali to to turn and focus on the the wrong arm, and then just slid the other one under his neck and choked him out. It was one of those things where it's like really just a master class of baiting somebody every single step of the way to make the wrong decision. And I love his commitment to the takedown. Also, yeah, like there's no half stepping with this guy. Like no. if he's shooting in, he's shooting in. And... It's great to see a guy with. I mean, it's. You know, I, I've, I compared him to Jacare when I first saw him, and he has that Jacare energy of understanding, like, I am starting out with pressure and power, and the moment you take a step back because you have to re- respect what I'm doing, the moment you put yourself near the cage, I'm going to take you down with force. Like, you have set yourself up exactly where you can't afford to be and everything starts going wrong from there man he's so much fun to watch i think he said in his post-fight interview that he wanted to fight at heavyweight now he's gonna stay at heavyweight he's gonna stay at heavyweight he wants to fight in abu dhabi that card is already packed so i doubt that's gonna happen but i'd watch him versus like sergey spivak you know you think he's ready for that sure why not all right because we not, haven't we haven't really seen him against anybody. Yeah, Spivak. Not saying that Spivak is a somebody, but I yeah. mean he's on a t- he's ranked right. Yeah, I, I just you know give him that. If he can't take that kind of step forward, then he can go back to, to light heavyweight. I don't know. Um, I'll watch him against anybody. Honestly. Yeah, I mean because otherwise, like, what are you going to do? Put him in there against like uh, you know. Is Tanner know. Bozer still around? Yeah, he's got a fight booked against Rafael Nascimento. You could, you could do like a Tanner Bozer or like a, a Chase Sherman or something like that. You can line more people up to, to in what feel like very sacrificial bookings. I'm just saying I like what Almeida's doing, and I, I think he, the UFC shouldn't be afraid to test him, you know? Yeah, he's phenomenal. He really yeah. is. He has such a great skill set. Like who who in the heavyweight division has the same sort of jujitsu prowess? No, right now nobody. That's what I'm saying. Like he's got a specialty. Yeah, Barnett's gone. Werdum's gone. Like we do not have that skill in that division at this point right now. Frank Mir's gone. The Nogueras are gone. Like even Big Country. Yeah, Big Country. No, I mean, the closest might be, like, I don't know, Tom Aspinall. I don't know. Yeah. like seriously. Curtis Curtis Blaze just got his purple belt. Yeah. <laughs> it's There is a world, there is a whole world that he can introduce to that division right now. So I'm here for it. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Dennis Tealulin against Jamie Pickett. And, um, you know, for a moment, it looked like Pickett had the strength and the, the physicality and the power to take the fight to Tia Lulin and really, 
get him on the back foot and hurt him a little, counter, stand in, land his own shots. But credit to you, Lulin, just being hard-headed and hard-nosed, knowing exactly what kind of fight he wanted. And Pickett is not about a war. You bring a war to him, and he tends to go away. Yeah, Pickett doesn't like the pressure. He really does not. He he doesn't do he doesn't thrive in it, and Tia Lulin just took complete advantage of that. And credit to him for stuffing those takedown attempts. Also, mm-hmm. that was really good to see out of him. Yeah, uh, because he got worked in his last fight on the ground. He did. So for him to come out and stuff every single takedown advance and just be relentless kept coming forward just kept applying that pressure and picket just kept having horrible reactions to the pressure mm-hmm. and you know i'm glad to see that call to like like it ended with a, a finish mm-hmm. like it wasn't just three rounds of picket being on his back foot and i hate fights like that where yeah. like one guy just looks completely overwhelmed and uncomfortable and I'm just like, are you sure you don't want to be out there? Because it doesn't look like you want to be out there. Yeah. It, no, I mean, I, I don't think Pickett's talked about it, dealing with anxiety and fighting. I think he really doesn't want to be out there. Like, something is can something in his life is driving him to fighting, but it doesn't seem to be a love of fighting. You know? How many wolves are on this card? Yeah. He's the night wolf. We oh. had... Uh, Hamza isn't he like the wolf? Yeah, Boris is wolf. Um, and uh, Danielle uh, Taylor Danielle fought, Wolf or Danielle Wolf. There it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like man, the pack. The pack was out today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a great win for Tia Lulin. I like him in the division. He's fun. He's scrappy. I don't know how many more fights he's gonna win, but it's fun to have dudes like that around. You know. We need yeah, you, we sure. need our Chris Camozzi's at middleweight. Damn, what a fantastic uh, throwback! Right, <laughs> I forgot about him. All right, that brings us to a catchweight bout, real, true, honest to god fight of the night. And yes. it sucks. It sucks for Collier that he didn't get fight of the night for this. Right. Uh, Barnett wasn't eligible for a bonus, although we have been told that he will be getting a bonus. He'll be getting a little under the table money. But Chris Barnett and Jake Collier absolutely knocked the hell out of one another for two and a half, for one and a half rounds. Not even two and a half, one and a half rounds. This fight, Chris Barnett, I mean, Jake Collier just, he went out there and he just went ham on this man. Like, they both probably threw 50 punches each within the first two minutes of the first round. Yeah, they, they both passed the vibe check. Yeah, they were they were serious, just knuckle, down, knuckle up, sit down in the middle of the cage, start winging hands at each other. Barnett got dropped. By the end of those two minutes, both of them were huffing and puffing. By the end of that first round, Barnett's eye was all closed up. The doctor had to look at it. It looked like it was swollen shut. I don't I can't believe he passed a vision test on that eye. And his mouth was hanging over. His jaw looked broken. His lip was hanging off. And like 
he looked like he was a mess. And the, this corner, like, pats him on the back as he's going back in there. Like, you got this, man. And I was sitting there on the bloody elbow Twitter typing away. And I'm like, I, I, I wrote it in quotes. You got this. Chris Barnett's corner with the ultimate lie of all-time corner lies. <laughs> like, he does not have any part of this at all. He comes out. He gets instantly taken down instantly gets his back taken if he had a neck that neck would have been choked he does not have a neck so collier gave up on it gave up his hooks i just don't still don't know why he gave those hooks up but he did and then he shot again barnett sprawls him out and he just like, that was it. He just started crushing Collier. I don't know where that energy came from. I don't know where that reserve came from. I don't know how he found any of it, but that was just an insane performance from Chris Barnett out there in a hilariously fun fight. Yeah, and it's super intense. Like, who would have yeah. thought the, the big men... Chris Barnett being a super heavyweight for this fight, mind you, he couldn't even make the heavyweight limit. He's five foot nine, and he could not make the heavyweight limit. Man, that, this was intense. Uh, he found a way, though. Yeah. Uh, Collier's probably kicking himself for that takedown attempt. And no kidding. Like, he came out. I think he had a good game plan. Just come yeah. out and just be extra aggressive. Something we've never really seen Collier do at heavyweight. Yeah, He's never come out just to storm someone's castle. He used castle. to be that way in middle at middleweight and light heavyweight, but we haven't seen him do that at heavyweight. And so I was excited. I was like, "Man, yeah. this is what's up!" And like the second round started, and Barnett he starts throwing his his haymakers, but like he was just missing like four or five in a row, just swinging at mm-hmm. air and swinging at air. And I was like, "Man, now he's gonna he's gonna punch himself out and not even yeah. like do any damage." Yeah, but super opportunistic found his moment to get on top and and made the most of it and just kept punching away. And the referee gave Collier every opportunity to improve his position, and he just couldn't do it. He was done. Credit to Barnett, yeah. That was so wild. And then Barnett's out there, does the the front flip butt drop, gets on the The front flip bonsai. Yep, gets on the mic. Cuts the pure positive vibes promo, just talking about how much he loves everyone and how much everybody means to him and how great everything is and how amped up he is. And you just can't help but feel so happy for him. Then he gets a couple beers and he's drinking beers, dancing his way out of the arena. And like, you know, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. No, it was fantastic. It really was. He was giving off some tied to Ivasa vibes. Yeah, just pure happy energy. I am so happy that the UFC kept this man around, that they brought him to, to this position so that he can be here to give us these fights. He will never be within spitting distance of a belt, but just let the man be out there having fun. It is a good time for everybody. You know, since he doesn't have a neck... Let's put him against Almeida. There we go. Yeah. Let's see how that pans out. That's right. Like, oh, you want to compete at heavyweight? Well, here's a super heavyweight. That's right. With no neck. Let's see what happens then. Choke that. And then you can decide. 
Yeah, I'd be like, now do you want to go back to 205 or are you, right. you real at heavyweight? You look at Johnny Walker, you see that neck? That could be yours. But you're right. to fight with these hefty chunks here who have chins all the way down to their nipples. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not, you know, jujitsu, there's a reason there's nobody doing jujitsu at heavyweight. It doesn't work. Um, well, that's not true. Francis Nagano hit the, uh, he's hit a, a Kimura. Okay, fair. It works. It works if you're strong enough to rip somebody's arm. There's a key lock here and there. Tom Aspinall hit the straight arm bar. It's, it's those are, that is such a collection of like strong guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. No the one's catching triangles. Your jiu-jitsu, the biggest guy in your jiu-jitsu gym loves a straight arm lock. Oh, yeah. When was the last time you saw a heavyweight triangle? That, no kidding. Yeah, uh, Fabrizio Verdum, probably. Yeah, Verdum. Noguera, maybe. Struve. Struve hit one. Oh, okay. But That's the thing. Is like the heavyweights just, their legs are too thick. Yeah. More often than not. Just, it's also a division where if you get on your back and some dude who weighs, you know, is like cutting weight to 265, weighs 280, 290 pounds, is laying on you. Even if you're 200 and, you know, 70, 280 pounds yourself, whatever, you can't shift that. You're yeah. not going to like create space and move that man unless you're Derek Lewis, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. That brings us to a woman's featherweight bout, Norma Dumont, Danielle Wolf, and uh, it looks like a fighter with nine fights against a fighter with one. Really and truly and honestly, was just an ass kicking. Wolf, she's got some nice form, but she clearly has not fought a lot, and she has not fought many. Co- Even I would, I would venture to guess in her. Uh, distinguished amateur boxing career she has not fought a lot of competition that could handle her physicality yeah oh i'm sure you know and she's not used to getting hit with the small gloves yep or leg kicks or takedowns and it's hard to be it's hard to go from zero to a hundred in terms of being comfortable out there you know when you've had one fight against someone who is much more seasoned, uh, much more well-rounded, and it's not their first dance. Like, they've, they've yeah. been around the block a time or two. They have that sort of comfort being, especially on this stage. Like, this is a big stage, and I feel like Wolf has has a lot of, a lot of tools, a lot of good things going for her, her physique, her stature. But she didn't seem to be confident in her abilities because she's never she doesn't have that sort of experience to pull from. So I'm too like I I hate to admit this because we're all only as young as we we want to be. You're as young as you feel. But Danielle Wolf is like my age. And it's really hard to learn new stuff when you start getting older. Sure. The older you get the more difficult it is to pick up new skills. Your your brain does not store short-term memories nearly so easy. So you got one fight to your name in MMA. 
and you're trying to build a whole new skill set at in your late 30s against a 20 something year old it's i guess dumont's actually 31 she just looks like she's 16 um <laughs> it's just yeah i don't you know it's an it's an uphill battle for sure it's an uphill battle and if if it was anything other than woman's featherweight, there would be no sense in having Wolf here at all. Like she's just not ready for any of this. Right. That's you fair. Know? She got outstruck. She got out wrestled. She got out grappled. And this is from Norma Dumont, who has nine pro fights and is mostly known as a very slow paced striker boxer. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing is is Wolf got the fight she needed yeah. to start out with, and she couldn't. She she even lost there. Yep. It's you know chalk it up to inexperience and the lack of a deep tool shed. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a bantamweight fight about. Um, I'm not even, I I know there's like we could entertain this whole idea of Dumont versus uh, Amanda Nunes, Nunes. but. That's, I mean, that's almost as much of a leap as Dumont versus Wolf in terms of like, what are you really doing here? Come on. Well, I think that's just uh, Nunez wanting to defend at 45. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, for Nunez, that's all that is. If I'm Nunez, I'm, I am definitely calling out Daniel or Norma Dumont if I'm Nunez. I'm yeah, like, yeah, a, I want to fight she's her. She's the lamb, the, the yeah. lamb to be slaughtered. I got half a million bucks to make. I want to fight her. Right. Totally. That's just guaranteed yeah. money. You know, I get I got three million bucks to make. Let's say she earns like, you know, some substantial cut or something. Like Dumont's even DC. I, I we we hate on DC a lot for his goofy booth attitude. We who's we? Okay, I don't hate on DC. I do. You you you're you're friendlier. Um but I hate <laughs> DC a lot for his his goofy attitude in the booth. But even he was like, I would never, if I were Amanda Nunes, I would never retire from women's featherweight. You know? Yeah. He was just laughing and joking. Because he, he would look at that as a competitor. You're like, I get paid champion money to show up here? Sure. Right. Forever. I'll do it forever. She'll be 50 and show up for these fights. Yeah, and there will, there will still be two or three people in the division. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a bantamweight bout. Alateng Haile against Chad, Chad and Helliger. And, um, yeah, this is a weird booking going in. Uh, the booth really tried to build up, and Helliger is, like, this great power puncher. And he's got he's got some good form. He's a fun brawler. Man, they had to stop with that Dan. That Dan Henderson reference was abysmal. Yeah, but they were really riding him as this amazing knockout artist. I'm just like, you know, and I was just like, Alex Hanley hits harder and he's more technical and he's tougher. What are, what are we all missing here? And we're not missing anything. He was just better. Right. So just kind of a walkover fight for Alex Hanley. Hope he gets something bigger off of this. He's four and one in the UFC now. And, uh, you know, that loss to Casey Kenny's really good. So. Yeah, that was a tough, that was a fun, tough fight. So I don't hold that against him. All right, that brings us to your moment to shine. Hey, take it away, Eddie. Uh, Elise Reed doing her thug fizzle, being the underdog coming in, letting her hands go, dropping Martinez with a big right hand in the first round, and uh, coming up late in the in the second round, getting her takedowns, clinching up. 
just a, a pretty solid performance from Reed here. Uh, Martinez, I remember watching her in Combate mm-hmm. Americas. Um, I think I, I when I was down there for that Copa Combate in Mexico, she landed a pretty sweet head kick to get the win down there. And she was on a tear. Yeah. But actually, yeah, this was her first loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's uh, a little undersized. I think Reed just seemed much bigger than her. Um, but yeah, this was just a, a, a solid win for Elise Reed. Yeah, she looked good. I mean, she's she's still got some really shocking power for women's straw weight, you know. Mm-hmm. It she she has that right hand of hers is really clean. She chambers it really well, releases it, hip flows off her hips well, lands really clean and hard. And um yeah, you know, credit for her to her for because Martinez, she had a lot of good moments in this fight, but every time Martinez made the wrong decision, Reed was making the right decision. You know? Yeah, she she was uh she just seemed more experienced. And there a lot of the fight, I feel like Martinez just looked jittery and yeah. maybe it's the spotlight. Maybe yeah, I you think, know you know, kind of talking about Wolf with this too, like Martinez, she, she had an undefeated record. She had some good wins in combate and all that, but like Wolf versus Dumont, and you know she's not used to somebody who can hit her that hard. Mm, you know, yeah. A lot of women coming off the regional scene in MMA, they will meet some people in the UFC that will hit them really clean and hard for what looks like the first time in their career. You know. Yeah, it's shocking to people. Yeah. And Reed, she's got. She's got some scary natural power for, despite being a pretty small straw weight herself. Like she's not the biggest woman in that division by far, but she has, you know, a lifetime of taekwondo that she's chambered into some pretty, you know, stinging single single shot techniques. So, yeah, she's disciplined. She's focused, driven. I mean, she's a she's a stud, man. I'm a I'm a. I was glad for your sake to see her get this win. Yeah, I was glad too. She's also a phenomenal person. So anytime she's getting the dub, I'm I'm extra excited. And that brings us finally to our opening prelim, Johan Lainess, Darian Weeks. And um, yeah, this was an ugly fight. Um, Zane, this fight was uglier than The Rock's shoe. It is true that 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 bacon strip ass shoe. <laughs> this was uglier. I mean, the, I mean, I get Linus. He's he's grappling with the idea that he's got cardio issues that he needs to fix. But you got to be able to go for more than a round because Weeks didn't press him. Weeks no, Weeks doesn't. Weeks Weeks has weak timing. Yeah, super athletic, zero timing. Yeah. He does not have the timing for MMA. It's really kind of remarkable because I really like a lot of the basics he's working with. He seems strong. He seems fast. He seems like he has some idea of like being mindful about picking his shots and things like that. He's got he can wrestle. He can you know he he's got a toolkit that seems enticing, but the thing that has come up over and over and over in his UFC fights. These three bouts he's had is he doesn't know when to use it. He doesn't know how to press any of his tools 
aggressively. And he didn't push the pace on Linus at all. And Linus, he fought really well for one round. And then he just took his foot off the gas. He spent the rest of the fight just being like, well, I better manage everything. I, I better not get too overextended and too tired. And um, if that's how he's going to keep playing it, he's going to find a lot of people who, you know, like Gabe Green could, can just take a war to him and eat his shots and not ever let him have the chance to take his foot off the gas until he's dead tired. Yeah, man, being uh, afraid of gassing out is one of the worst. It's like one of the biggest, like, mental turds you can have. Like you, you need to be out there focused on the fight. Not, yeah. foc- not your number one focus should not be managing your gas tank. That's something you need to iron out in training. Yeah. Like so, you show up there knowing that you have the gas to to fight your style for however long you're scheduled for. Yeah. So like you gotta. That's not something you wanna you wanna start fixing in the octagon. Yeah. This was this was a lame fight, but. It doesn't matter because we go back up to the top here and the night ended on a really good note. It ended with Nate Diaz riding off into the sunset on a win, giving flipping the bird to everybody all in sundry. But he, he was nice. He was actually gracious and all that, you know. But nonetheless, pulling out a win over everybody, over Ferguson, over Chimaev, over the UFC, getting the bonus, getting everything Dude, on his way out same. to go. You know what? I don't what? think we got a single Nate Diaz middle finger in this I main event. I don't think we did, well, I, which is, I mean, it is shocking for how much clowning there was in that main event, but it also speaks to, like, you know, Diaz and Ferguson, I think they really had a lot of respect for each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, it was it was a positive vibes finale to a weird card that was in complete chaos just one day ago. On that note, we're going to wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter at the Zane Simon. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over bloodyobo.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast, Bloody Open, on Bloody Open Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places. And we'll be back in one week's time for UFC Fight Night, Sandhagen versus Song. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Level Change Podcast, The MMA Vivisection, The 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Brooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, and Radio-Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and on BloodyElbow.com.